Wow. Uh, I, we could go home, I think. Uh, that was beautiful. Uh, um, thank you all so much. That's, now it's one of my new favorites. Uh, I think that's the first time I heard that one. But it's so appropriate as we get ready to receive God's Word, but also the bread and the cup. Uh, pray with me. Speak, O Lord. Not my words, O God, but your word. May it be revealed this entire hour and beyond that it might pour out of this sanctuary and spill out in the streets into our homes. That we might too have a beautiful song in our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Grew up with a lot of really wonderful, amazing Sunday school teachers. And they have shaped my life. So in the second grade, uh, one of my teachers asked me if I was saved. Or no, she said, are you born again? And I was like, well, of course I am, second grader, right? And then I went home and went, Mama... What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean? And I'm not sure I completely still really know what it means. I think I have a better idea than I did when I was seven or eight. And I think I have a better idea because maybe my parents, like Scott and Mary Kendall, taking Jack Oakley up to the front, did me the same thing. And I started maybe to see it in live action in the church that I grew up in. When I saw saints and people who had a wellspring of deep faith, who endured all kinds of challenges in life, and who kept on plugging but who loved me, who loved me into a kind of rebirth because their love made me look to the love of Jesus Christ. And so maybe my answer was even truthful in the second grade. I told y'all that I'm doing a lot of weddings coming up, and I see Georgia over there. I'm doing hers and Eric Pridmore's uh, wedding in a few months, and so I'm doing a lot of counseling. I'm also putting together all these worship services for these upcoming weddings. And there's a part of the prayer um, after I pronounce uh, the couple, man and wife, I, um, I share this prayer over them. And one of the lines says, May your home be a haven of blessing and peace. May your home be a haven of blessing and peace. Haven is an old word, and it really means harbor. It it's originally meant uh, to be a place where ships would come back with the sails all tattered and um, needing to get repair. And they would come into safe harbor so that they could get nourished and resupplied, get fuel. But the ships don't stay in the harbor, right? They, they weren't made to stay in the haven, so then they would go right back out into the deep. I think this prayer could be said 
May your home be a haven of blessing and peace, not only for couples getting married, but for the church. We come to be blessed, and then we leave this port to deeper waters to be a blessing, and then we get our sails all tattered, and we get all exhausted, and then we come back to be blessed so that we can become a blessing. I'm teaching our confirmands that one unique thing about Methodists is that we believe Scripture to be the primary source of, of, uh, that tells us who we are. We believe tradition is very important for people that came before us. The faith started before I was born. The faith will continue after I die. We believe that you don't check your mind at the door. But we, the Methodists added fourth thing. John Wesley did. It made a lot of people, made a lot of people uh, nervous. He added experience, experience, that, you know, God can be experienced. You can experience the Holy Spirit. A few years ago, and I, I can't really describe it, but that experience to me of that deep love, it's, it's what I would call being born again. And if you're lucky like me, maybe you've been born again and again and again. I thought about some of those high mountain times when I felt like I was lost in love and wonder and praise, as the old hymn that sometimes we sing says. I remember I was in, Jen and I were in Oregon, Portland, Oregon. We were at Camp Collins. There was this real wealthy Methodist family up there that made a lot of money logging. And there was a beautiful deep forest. And I was there interviewing uh, Jen and I both were interviewing to be missionaries in Alaska, and I was just like, I, I, my sails were tattered. I, I didn't know what kind of, I, I wasn't sure what God wanted us to do, and is this, is it, if I just, do I just want to go on a nice trip or see another part of the country? Is this what God is calling me to do? And I woke up very early in the morning, and I felt very alone, even though I was surrounded by beauty. If you've ever been out on the West Coast, you know that the, the, the forest looks different, completely different. Lots of evergreens through this camp window. And there was only one woman uh, there. I was there so early, but the only other one was she was cooking biscuits. And there I was looking out the window, and I felt a little lost. I felt a little lonely. And the phone rang. And she said, oh, oh, okay, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check. I sure will. And she comes out there, comes out from the kitchen with biscuit flour all over, up to her elbows. And she says, are you Bruce Case? I said, yeah, I am. She said, your dad just called. He wanted to check on you. And I thought, wow. Sun came up. Light poured in. And all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed with unconditional love. I feel like I experienced the Spirit. The sun poured in through the windows, and all of a sudden, all these, um, all these complete strangers who were also interviewing to be missionaries in other spots, they all came in, and I just felt overwhelmed. And the sunlight coming through the windows reminded me that God's love is filling this world, making a home in this world. And, you know, that's what Jesus is all about, right? God is trying to make a home here. That's what we believe. That's the good news with everyone. God wants to be at home with you, and God wants to be at home with me, and God wants to make, 
God's home with all of us, St. Luke's. And there was this overwhelming experience of connection with the world, with God, and with all people. And I felt for just a moment in Portland, Oregon, that I was born again. I was reborn. United, bonded with others. That Jesus wants me to have the life that Jesus has, that I could start over, that yes, indeed, there is a purpose in my life. It was a very profound experience. God wanted to be in my heart, and I couldn't explain it. But like John Wesley, my heart was strangely warmed. Have you ever been born again? Have you ever been overwhelmed by the unconditional love of Jesus Christ in your life? Have you ever needed forgiveness and someone said, I forgive you? Or have you ever forgiven someone and didn't think you could? Have you ever been heart, been strangely warmed? Well, then maybe you too have been born again like Jesus talked to Nicodemus about. Because it says in John 3, Jesus says it himself, he didn't come into the world to condemn it, but that the world might be saved. And he said, you must be born again. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. He sent Jesus so that you and I could have the life that Jesus has at home, with God, at work, wherever we go. God so loved the world. I know that the word love is so worn out and overused. So let me share with you another statement that I pulled out of the wedding that I always say. You remember to have and to hold from this day forward? You remember what it says? To love and to cherish. God so cherished the world that he gave. I like that, to be cherished. God so cherished you. God so cherished me. Cherish, uh, you may not think a lot of the word, but you kind of know what it is. You know, we, you know, if you cherish something, you're not going to sell at the garage sale, right? No, 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 I, I, I can't. I know it's not worth much, but this is like, this means the world to me, right? You would never part with it. Well, then you cherish it. God so cherished the world. God so cherished you. That's why we're born again. We're born in, again, in God's love that God cherishes us. If something's given to us as a gift, we tend to, to treasure it. Lawson, who's my age, lives in Startville. I've shared with him. He's dealing with cancer, and um, he's just got an amazing, he's got a, it's, it's, it's a good outlook, and um, he's got a great, he's got a young family. He's got a teenage daughter. He's got a younger son, and uh, they've had some tears, and it's been painful. His older brother, Lawson, my other cousin, uh, we all got together, and we were, we were there talking with Lawson. How are we go, What kind of treatment are you doing? How are you going to get through this? Are you going to, you know, what, tell us what it's going to do to your leg. And what's, we're asking him all these. And you know how when you get together with your cousins, you start talking about, you know, funny stuff that happened in the past? Lawson, uh, Larry, older Larry, brother Larry, who just, he cherishes Lawson. You can tell that for sure. Now, they fought like cats and dogs when we were growing up, but he, he loves him, and Lawson has a great older brother. And he said, Bruce, you remember, you were, um, uh, you remember that, that runaway note that Lawson wrote when he was about five? I said, remind me what that was. And Larry said that 
Lawson tossed him a football in the house and one of the most beautiful form tackles you could ever see and tackled him right through a window and they went bumbling out of the window. Luckily, nobody got hurt. But sweet little Lawson thought his life was over. The babysitter said, well, it may not, you know, you're going to be in trouble. And so he wrote his getaway note. Dear Mom and Dad, D-O-D, I am so, so sorry that I broke the window. I think I'm going to run away from home. Love, Lawson. And uh, I asked Larry, I said, well, did he run away? He said, no, he hid under the bed. He thought that would, get, that would lessen his punishment, you know. But Tony and Larry, his parents, adored that letter. They cherished it so much that they framed and matted it. And I started to remember them telling people in their house this funny story about Lawson writing. To love and to cherish. God cherishes each one of us. In God's love, we feel seen and significant and important and blessed we feel strengthened. We can overcome everything. If you're cherished, you, can, you feel like you can overcome anything. If just, just one person believes in you, the experience of being cherished is the experience, to me, of being born again. If God is with me, who can be against me? God so loved, so cherished the world. God so cherishes Jack that he already has plans for this beautiful baby that we baptized. God already knows. God cherishes you and me. It's a new start. When someone cherishes us, we feel like we can get a new life and a new start. We feel like we matter. And that's as close as we're going to come to eternal life in this world when we're lost in wonder, love, and praise by God's love and grace. We come alive. St. Luke's. This is the home where we experience being cherished. What does it mean to be a church? It means to practice Cherishing one another, reminding one another that you're cherished by God. It's not easy, I know. We rub up against each other and sometimes we get on each other's nerves. But you know what? That's our highest calling. If someone can walk through these doors and be reminded that God loved them so much that God gave His only Son, that they don't have to do anything to climb a ladder up to heaven, but that God has already climbed a ladder down to us, then we know what it means to be cherished and we can be changed. Many of us came from a loving and amazing home growing up, but some of us didn't around here. Some of us had to overcome a lot. And that they may not have gotten the support that maybe I got or other people got. And so St. Luke's is here to say, you are loved no matter what. We say in our motto, growing faith, sharing hope, and abiding in love. That's haven talk, abiding in love that God has made God's abode or is abiding with us because God loves us so much. We're called by God's grace to create new avenues of ministry and God cherishes us. Our son Tripp is the assistant coach at Alcorn State men's and women's tennis team. You know where the Alcorn State men's and women's team is from? Barbados, Zimbabwe, Kazakhstan, England. None of their parents ever come, right? They can't. 
They can't. Their kids are pursuing the tennis dream and trying to get in here. Jen and I just, just love to come, and we don't want to bother them, but we love seeing our son coach. But after a few tennis matches, now they come to us, you know. And Tripp sent Jen this message that they said, we, we're so glad that, because we're, I guess, the whole, we're like, we're the only season ticket holders of the Alcorn State men's and women's team, right? But you know, we're their adoptive parents, right? We love them, and we've learned to cherish them. They're some of the most amazing people you'd ever meet. And Jen and I always say, because we're, you know, we're vocal, and so, like, we hope we're not messing you up when we're yelling all the time. No, no. Well, if we say the wrong things, please, please tell us. Um, a couple of weeks ago, somebody walked into this church, and I know this is not the only time this has happened. They walked in this church, and, and I said, hey, can I help you? And they said, you know, I've just always walked by this church when I go eat at restaurants and I work not too far away. I just wanted to see what it looks like inside. And they look around this church and they go, wow, this church is beautiful. And you know what I said? It is. And the building is nice too. Because what makes this church beautiful? As beautiful as these wooden beams are, in the story around us. It's not the brick and mortar. It's how we love and cherish one another. That's our calling. Because I know the minute you step out of this sanctuary, you're not going to get that, that affirmation everywhere you go. You're going to be misunderstood, and you're going to be mistreated, and you might stumble and make some mistakes along the way. But you can bring that boat back to this haven and get filled up again by the worship, by the word, and by encouraging. When I think of this church, I think of people. I think of donut holes. I think of thank you notes for coming. I think of coffee, laughter, Wednesday night, Sunday school. I think of an emerging youth group and our confirmands. I think of amazing sages and older people who have been here for a long time. I think of the Honduran mission team that let others know that they're cherished. I think of our music program. I think of our choir that reminds us that we are cherished every week if we just listen. I think of people, not of the building. People may come for the building, but they stay because you never forget how people made you feel. Being cherished does something to you. Our responsibilities, when I'm... When I'm cherished, I want to do something for you. I want to do something for this church. It's not a burdensome obligation. It's a joyful opportunity, right? Because this is our haven. This is our home. This is our haven of blessing and peace. We come to be blessed. We leave it to be a blessing. That's what church is. This is your home and your haven. And so Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born into my love. Birth, if you've noticed, is not something you can do for yourself. Nobody in here gave birth to yourself. Your mama gave birth to you. Everyone here, somebody else went into labor for you and you did nothing. You did nothing. 
You didn't work yourself into this world. Your mama did. So Nicodemus was caught, at least in that time, in this terrible vortex. See, he's trying to work his way up to God. He's trying to pull himself up on the spiritual bootstraps. There are no spiritual bootstraps. But God has come down. He was in the dark, right? Nicodemus was when all along Jesus was pouring light into the world, like that light into the room in Oregon. And he was sharing with him in a new way. And I think sometimes we're all Nicodemus. Sometimes we, we all think that we've got to do something to earn something. We forget that we're cherished. And when that happens, life becomes a dreadful obligation and not a joyful response. But we can still become born again. That's the invitation. It can happen anytime. It can happen anytime. Are you born again? Have you been born again? Do you need to be born again today? Do you need to be reminded that you are cherished and that there's never been you before in this world and there never will be one? Do you know that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed on him would never perish but would have eternal life? Hey, your rebirth could be today could be right around the corner let's let God cherish us and see what happens amen invite you to um, turn to page 12 as we prepare for the Lord's Supper for communion Angel, I'm going to do the spoken one today since I, I went late. So we're, we're good. Thank you. Give you the give you the off. Page 12. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. God, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give, uh, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, 
and made with us a new spirit by a new covenant by water and the spirit on the night which he gave himself up for us Jesus took the bread he broke it he blessed it gave thanks and said take eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me and when the supper was over Jesus took the cup he blessed it and gave thanks He gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I want to invite um, Bo and Barrett and then Jimmy and Vicki, if y'all will come forward. We can serve. 